it is such a privilege to be here. Uh, I can tell you, and really uh, can't wait to um, just give you a little detail. Well, many details actually. Tomorrow night about what's God, God's doing um, in Hungary because you guys are involved and you should know about it because you guys are supporting a list of missionaries. It's it's really awesome, and. Um, and I don't want you to go to heaven and God's like, oh, it's so good that you were involved in that cool stuff in pace. Like, what? I mean, what are you saying? He's like, it's on your tracking list. You, know? you should know about it. It's really cool. It's such privilege. Such privilege. So uh, I want to I encourage you guys what God's been encouraging our church in the last few months. We started um, studying Corinthians. And um, God answered your guys' prayers. It's really cool. And thank you so much for your support and prayers and crazy random, random emails and prophetic emails. Well, we, you send it, I'm sleeping. But I wake up and really encouraging emails. Seriously. God is using just... Um, his economy is so crazy. Just, and um, he answered our prayers. Last time I was here, I shared with you that the Lord laid in our hearts, but actually he just brought in all the least of these in our church, all the broken and, and hurting people. And first I was praying, I'm like, God, I just want the church to grow, and I want you to bring in people, and then he started doing that, and I said, okay, you can stop now, I don't want more people, I don't want the big church. Um, and I'm like, now what I do? <laughs> what, what, what can I do now? And he's been encouraging us with this, um, with this book. And I want to share a few thoughts. Uh, it's always interesting to see how church starts. And just a few words on how the Corinthian church started. If you don't know, but if you know, it's good to hear again. So, Paul starts on the second missionary journey. Not second. And, uh, and he tries to go to um, Asia Minor. And he can't. The Lord just says no. And that's funny when that happens. But yeah, anyway. Um, he just said no, and he had a very hard time. Later in Second Corinthians, it says it was mentally, it was one of the hardest times in his life. He said he was not sure he's going to make it out alive. That's heavy. And um, he, he had a dream about a Greek guy, Nico, or I don't know. And he said, hey, come on over and help us. And then it's so crazy, a missionary mind. He said right away, it's in Acts 16, immediately we sought to go to Greece or Macedonia because we knew that we need to preach the gospel there. Isn't that cool to have this mindset that when you see a need uh, and you just go like, oh, they just need Jesus. It's the Sunday school answer. doesn't matter what the question is. They just need the gospel. And it, it is so simplistic, but it is so beautiful, I, I can't tell you. And um, so he immediately sought out to go to Macedonia. So the first European city he arrives is Philippi. It's really cool stories. So he met this lady who is this really successful business lady in fashion design. And um, he's a big supporter of missions. And um, Lydia, you guys heard about her. And um, so she's the first person who gets saved. And then her household and the church is in her house. And really cool stories. And they move on to to Thessalonica, and then Berea, and then Athens. And, and the fifth city they, he stops at is Corinth. And 
he is tired. And he says later, I came to you in much trembling, in much fear, so weak. I'm like, what's wrong with you, Paul? Like, are you, are you not the apostle? You know? And I cannot tell you how important it is that those emails, you know, without a joke, those prayers, uh, you guys supporting, just... Um, and um, he is in Corinth. He does his thing, what he always does, almost gets beat up again. And then God himself has to appear to him again in a dream to make him stay. And he says, <clears throat> Jesus says, do not be afraid, but go on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. And it's really cool because when Jesus said this to him, things were doing, going great. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. It's, it's really cool. The, the head of the synagogue was saved. Actually, the church was in the head of the synagogue's house. You know, just, it's, everything's going great. And so what's happening with a pastor or missionary, what's happening with the people who work for God, God's crazy vision, that they need such crazy encouragement, you know, and everything seems to be going great. And, um, and, and I wanted to mention these two things, that God wanted a, a church in Corinth. You know, God calls churches alive. It's not our idea. It's not just our cultural thing, you know. And I've, I, I question a bunch of stuff. I'm so skeptical. and just, I don't even know why he uses me. I'm just questioning him all the time. And um, I'm like questioning, what's the point of this? Is this just church history? Is this just, you know, cultural heritage? What are we, why are we doing this, you know? And it's his idea. Beautiful idea. He says, I have people in cities. My people. And stay here. It's beautiful. Just watch. Don't be afraid. Don't be quiet. No one will harm you. you know? Well, he always got beat up every time he went everywhere. But this time, I think he didn't realize that the biggest hurt he's going to get is from actually the church. And the crazy thing is that when you start reading Corinthians, God's talking to this crazy church. You're going to talk about them. And them, not us. <laughs> and, um, and he's choosing Paul's mouth to woo their hearts again. He's choosing the pastor's mouth who was backstabbed. They don't even listen to him except the home group of Chloe. And, um, and he starts talking to them. And this church, dear ones, had problems. And... Um, in Europe, we have so much, um, like, you go on the street, start to talk about God, and it's like, oh, stop, You're, look at the church. And, yeah, there are bad stories. Yeah. So much bad history in, in Europe, too. And say, look at the church, look at all the problems. Well, let's look at the Corinthian church. First of all, there was big divisions, theological arguments, theological bullying, there was crazy sexual perversion, sexual immorality, crazy concept, 
you know, mixes about marriage. There was people who looked down on the poor and played cliquish in church. People who didn't believe in the supernatural resurrection of Jesus but wanted to be teachers of the church. People who God-given talents and gifts were using so selfishly, hurting other people. Okay, this is, okay, I don't go on. This is crazy. <laughs> if, you, if you have this, um, this, these thoughts, what I have, is like, oh, look at all the church problems and stuff. Like, I don't want to go to church. It's pretty embarrassing when you don't want to go to church and you're in charge. It's like, oh, it's full of problems, you know? I don't want to go. And, um, and God is speaking to this church. Okay. So he doesn't like, fine, I don't show up. He's speaking to us. And, um, and I want you to be encouraged this morning with the tone of Jesus speaking to us, uh, speaking to a battered, messed up, full of mistakes church, a, a battered, bruised bride of his. Because the way he starts the letter, um, it's, uh, it shocks me. It says, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place, slow or page-hungry, call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their lords and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in Him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That nine verses just uh, blows us away every Sunday now for a few months. We just keep reviewing it. Because... Because this is not how I would react to problems. This is not how I would react when God brings together broken and sinful and addicted and, and, and battered and assaulted and people and abused people to one place. And I look around and I have a feeling in our church that we are five minutes away from big disasters all the time. Because God is bringing in all kinds of people. I mean, in a, in a very racist country where, oh, so sad. God brings in Hungarians and gypsies and homeless and guys out of prison and, and, uh, and abused, abused kids and women, you know. And then I start preaching and I look around. I, start, I, I joke with them all the time. 
a kind of, that's a kind of serious thing. If I would be a marketing genius, I couldn't pull them together. It's, it's, it's the most beautiful group of people. But when I look at, look at hurt and abused women coming in and look at guys coming out from prison who are pimps coming in and sitting down, and I said, God, give us wisdom now because we are five minutes away from a catastrophe. <laughs> Just help. I don't want to be in charge here. It's such a beautiful... He has a way wilder imagination than we do. And he's writing these beautiful redemption stories. And the way he does it is this tone. He says, first of all, you come in and you look up and you enjoy. And God's leading us in worship and God's spirit just hovering over us this morning. And then we look around and it's like, Oh, who invited him? What is he doing here? You know, and we start looking, and then God just calling us and you know, picking up the tone and picking up the attitude, but he starts talking to us. And he's like, first of all, before we talk about any problems and sins and crazy stuff, first of all, to the church of God in slow or in page. You're my people, he says. And that shocks me. Because most of the time when I look around and trembling, I just project my little feelings and imagine a guy up in heaven who's trembling like me and all insecure. Anybody insecure? Oh, I'm the only insecure room in the room. It doesn't help right now. Okay. And then God starts to speak and says, My people, you beautiful ones, precious ones, sanctified in Christ Jesus, I made you my people. And I have to hear this little loudest here. You guys know we adopted a little beautiful curly one. And God changed my, my, my theology through Esther. And... Um, just to see that the adoptive parents do everything in their power to make somebody in their family. And the little girl did not do anything except oa oa and produce diapers and just <laughs> didn't say thank you yet. But I didn't, I didn't do it for that. Sometimes we think, oh, I forgot to worship this week, so I, oh my goodness, I didn't say thank you. Am I in or am I out? Am I... God did everything in his power to make us his family. And then he just wraps his daddy arms around us and say, you are my daughter, my son. That's that's the first sentence to come out of his mouth to a, a pretty messed up church. He loves his bride. And you know, it is such a privilege to serve him, but you know that most of the time... I just keep judging his bride. I keep pointing out what's wrong. Keep pointing out, like, this should go this way and this should go that way. And Come on. And I look at the tone of God talking to his bride, and I just see him. He's using these words. I'm not a poet. He's, he's just cherishing and kissing the bride. He says, man, man of God, love your wives 
like Christ loved the church. You know, cherish her. You know, like, oh, okay. That's not my tone right now. And I would love to have this tone that he would woo our hearts this morning and, and he would just you know, teach us to love and kiss his bride. And says, you guys, sanctified and called to be saints together who call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That's crazy. I don't know about you, but I don't know how he does that. That he gets sinful people and he takes away our shame and our guilt, washes our hearts. I, I don't know how he does that. But he doesn't just say... Yeah, I knew about your stuff, Blanche, but all right, let's just not talk about it. He knew our problems so deep, you know. It just blows me away that he didn't just, he didn't just deal with the consequences and just the guilt and the shame, you know. But he dealt with the penalty of our mistakes, and that's crazy. And, and he just starts out saying, like, I sanctified you. I did everything in my power to wash you clean, my daughter, my son. You know? And, oh, but you don't know what I did. Oh, but you, oh yes, I know. He didn't just carry our guilt and our shame. You know, he carried the, the penalty, the righteous penalty for our sins. And, and we are not righteous people, but we have a sense of justice. And we can demand that justice so quick. And just, just imagine when somebody hurts you, and you can carry somebody else's, somebody else's mistakes, made scars on you, for decades, it can make you bitter. Just, just an other human being making a mistake and just hurting. And you can talk about it for 30 years. <laughs> so, who's going to deal with me, what I cost? You know? And Jesus comes along and says, I know my precious because I felt the weight on my shoulder when I was beaten. I know deeply how, how much trouble you were in. And I did everything in my power to set you free. You know? So I, I pray that God would woo your hearts. Like, God would, like I want to woo my, my Esther's heart and I want to keep explaining as she grows up that, oh, my beautiful one, I did everything in my power. You know, I love you. You didn't have to do anything. You don't have to say thank you. I did everything in my power that you have a birth certificate, an identity, and you're mine. You know? And grace to you and peace from our God, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It always comes together. And I think that's the first thing what the enemy wants to steal is just this peace from the churches, you know. 
As we stand before the cross and we say, thank you so much for adopting us and let the peace of God just flood our souls. You know. And Paul's continuing and says, I give thanks to my God always because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. These guys were, uh, I don't want to say bad words. Um, so, I don't know the politically correct stuff. These guys were immature. Paul calls them immature, childish, baby-like, um, little immature, little bastards. I don't know. Is that allowed to say? <laughs> was, they were so selfish with God-given, undeserved gifts. They were so selfish. He's like, it's mine. You know? it's like, Don't you mess with me. And, well, I wouldn't say this to an unthankful child. It's like, you're unthankful. Unthankful is like, fine, no more chocolate, okay? I don't give you anything then. But that's not what God's doing here. God says, oh, you little ones. And Paul says, I give thanks for the undeserved, mistreated gift of God that was given to you. What a pastor. It's like that you were enriched in all speech and all knowledge. These were not naive guys. It's not like they didn't know better. They were well taught, well fed, crazy blessed, crazy blessed. And God says, I just love to pour my undeserved gifts and grace on you. I love to do that. And I love that my testimony is confirmed among you. I love that you're not lacking any spiritual gift. I love that you're waiting the revealing of our Lord Jesus. And Paul says... He will sustain us. He will present us guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. It's unbelievable. I can't tell you guys. It's just... Uh, it's such a privilege to be a part of what He's doing, but it is so scary, you know. It is so scary. You know, he involves us into each other's lives. And easily, with five sentences, we can butcher each other's souls, you know. Or we can have this tone just change our tone and literally live heaven on earth. It says, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, just as in the throne room here. And, and, it, and what blows me away is just that this unthankful, selfish, immature, full of problem church is the church where God spoke the hymn of love. Isn't that cool? That's the, that's the kind of God that he doesn't... I would quote the scripture to this group of guys like, don't put your pearls in front of swines and that kind of stuff. We can know how to pull out really condemning verses, you know. And, uh, but God is like, oh, precious ones, 
you're lacking something, let me tell you about my love. So we are quoting it every wedding and all that stuff. But we don't know that it's, it's to one of the most messed up churches in recorded early history, in church history. And he says, let me tell you, you know, maybe let me woo you a little more. And let me tell you that love is patient. And love is kind. My love is patient to you. And my love is kind. And I do not condemn you. I don't pick up rocks and keep throwing it at you. Old rocks. And, and I love, I, I rejoice with righteousness. And I will never fail you. It will never end. You know. and, and it just blows me away because it's cool to hear redemption stories when they are over, you know. Just to go through them. I don't have patience. You know. It's hard to see um, people just like not giving in their hearts, you know, just dancing the vaults with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's like a tangle. It's like, ah, no, okay, okay, Lord, no, no. And then God has to remind me. He's like, oh, you lost patience, Balash. Uh, I didn't lose my patience. I wanted you to know that the first thing about my love, the first word that describes it in that list is patience. It takes time. It takes time. And, and I'm not sorry spending that time on you or I don't want to say wasting, uh, investing that time in you. I love to invest that time in you. And um, we've been watching some crazy stories happening in Page, and I can't wait to tell you tomorrow, uh, where I, I gave up on things. I just like, I'm done. I don't want to deal with youth. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with that. Just... It's hard to see, you know, women coming in with bruises and, and comes in the wife beater too, you know. And then <laughs> there's this one occasion, this guy comes in and says, like, can somebody deal with my wife? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I want to beat you up right now. It's like, who do you think you are? Just, uh, I never had the temptation to be a fist fighter until the last few years. Just, actually, the the clar- clar- uh, the uh, it says a bishop should not be quarrelsome. In the Hungarian Bible, it says actual fist fighter. And, you know, I just want to bring justice, like legitimate just anger. It's like, did you just, what did you just do to that girl? What? Uh, God. It's like, vengeance is mine, he says. And let me talk to you about my love and my justice. Let me tell you about what my love did on the cross. You know, there was this one guy, I've been talking about this, because I have to talk about this, but then it's like, I'm patient, and I love you, and God loves you, but stop beating your wife. And it's, I have to say, and then this one guy comes up, he's like, did my wife talk to you? Did, what did she say? I'm like, she did not, but you're kind of giving yourself away. And by the way, the Holy Spirit just sees right into your heart. And it's scary business to stand in front of a beautiful God, but look at his tone. 
Look at his tone. We took these little kids who were causing us problems. They were like little underage. Cannot prosecute them yet. But they're little gangsters. (laughs) And when... (laughs) Yeah, when... They beat us up a few times and stopped some church services. And it's crazy because two, three, 13-year-old jumps on you and you can't hit back. They can do some damage. And they're quoting scripture. They say, well, you're Christian. You can't hit back. What I taught them. I'm like, you. You know, and also the Bible says that the policeman wears the gun by God's will to keep away anarchy. That's in Romans. So I called the cops. No, you wouldn't. I did. But we took them away on this camp. I told them, you cannot beat me up. But it didn't stop them. You cannot just beat somebody up, beat our youth little girl. And you did. Um, I told them, you can beat me up in the ring. No, you no, yes. So we took them to this boxing camp, survival camp. And I was the dummy, you know. They were practicing the, you know, the kicks, inner thigh, out of time. And 30 kids. I was sore. <laughs> it didn't hit back. They beat me up. It's, it's very cool. And then they listened. After that, they listened. And after that, they, they didn't beat up anybody in the church. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what's crazy? That they, we were talking about it afterwards because they're so tired. Uh, that's the only way I can discipline them, through their own sore muscles. You know? it's like, all right. I told them, Everything I, a- I ask you to do, I will do, you know. If you crawl in the mud, I crawl in the mud. 50 push-ups, 50 push-ups, I do that. I don't ask anything what I don't want to do with you, you know. No. And uh, so we were talking about um, the cross that night, and, and uh, they were really smart kids, never heard about Jesus. And uh, they were like, whoa, that is so cool that God would discipline himself, you know. And, and I'm like, what did you just say? And the TV came out, and the reporter asked them, so what did you do in the camps? Like, oh, we were doing swimming and Thai boxing and archery and all this cool stuff. And, um, and so what was the best part? Well, the worship songs. I'm like, oh, you get out of here. You stop messing with me. They're so mean. I'm like, you're messing with me right now. No, my favorite song is I Can Only Imagine. And I'm like, really? And then the other guy is like, so what was your favorite part? Well, the teaching. Like, you're serious. You're serious. So they put down on their report cards that we would come back to this camp because the organizers loved us. I'm like, that's the only camp I beat you up. <laughs> I, could be- I could beat you up. I'm like, whoa. And it's so crazy that it just clicked to me that love only makes sense in the context of discipline. I was telling the same guys for three years, I love you, I love you, you're cool, I love you, let's do graffiti, I love you. And it just didn't make any sense to them. And then God brings the word of God to us each Sunday and says, I love you. And healing this church, you guys know how he started out teaching to them? The first four chapters is, I decided to know nothing amongst you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That God would come and he's just not like fluffy talking. He's like, I love you. But he he says, I discipline myself. I love you, precious one. It's so crazy. 
such a privilege to be a part of it. So these are beautiful, beautiful uh, encouragements, and I want you to be encouraged. And I think we're going to worship more, worship some more. And as we worship more, I just pray that uh, you would ask the Holy Spirit to woo your heart. It's like, God, just remind me of your words and your verses. And I want to have your tone. I, w- I want to know what's your tone with your bride, you know. And uh, I want to have that tone with your bride. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship. Oh, Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you that your love is not just some shallow, naive, or uh, some fluffy thing. It, it makes sense on the cross so deeply. And I just pray, Jesus, that you would kiss your bride here this morning, that this tone that you look at your church and say, my precious ones, my people, who I called and sanctified, my beautiful ones. I just pray that um, uh, you would come and woo our hearts with your love as we worship.